Well, we've been doing this series called Short Stories, and uh, this week is week seven of this series. And uh, and and this this uh, series of short stories is a series on the parables of Jesus. And so let's pray and ask God to help us today. Father, we uh, place ourselves at your hands, at your care. God, I pray, place your hand of anointing upon me to teach and preach your word. And God, I pray your your anointing upon every heart that is here. God, I pray that you would just release your revelation. Lord, the spirit of insight and understanding over this house today. I pray in Jesus name. Amen. Now, you know, remember, we said a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus told a lot of stories. In fact, he, he hardly didn't teach uh, without stories. And he was the master storyteller. And he told stories to get the point across. And a lot of times we really get the point when we hear it told in story form. And Jesus was the master at that. In Matthew 13 and 34, it says Jesus always used stories and illustrations like those when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. And this fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet. I will speak to you in parables and I will explain things hidden since the creation of the world. So Jesus used parables to explain hidden things or mysteries, mysteries of the gospel. You know, the uh, the mysteries of God or the secret truths of God. And he doesn't reveal his truth to everybody. He reveals his truth to who he wants. And he used stories to hide truth from some people and reveal truth to others. And so the truth that can only be understood through the Spirit of God is the truths that can really transform your life. How many of you have been transformed by the truth of God? I mean, isn't God's truth powerful? I mean, God's truth can totally radically change your life. Paul said this in Ephesians 6.19, Pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, my words may be, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mysteries of the gospel. Now, the mysteries of the gospel are those hidden truths that God wants to reveal to you and I. He wants to reveal to mankind. And one of the mysteries that God reveals through his gospel is the mystery of the second coming of Christ. Now, I don't know if you're very familiar with that, but Jesus used lots of parables. In fact, he used lots of stories to talk about his second coming. The Bible talks more about his second coming than it did his first coming. In Mark chapter 13 and verse 34, it says the coming. Jesus tells a story to talk about his second coming. The coming of the son of man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. And he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch, for you do not know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone, watch for him. Now, what was Jesus trying to explain using this story of a man going on a long trip and then later coming back? Obviously, he was teaching about 
His second coming. In verse verse 34, he says, The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. So it's quite obvious what he was trying to do there. Now, you remember when Jesus uh, Jesus was crucified, he was buried, and then he resurrected, and he was among his disciples. And while he was with his disciples, all of a sudden, he was taken up into heaven. He ascended into heaven. And there were two guys there with white robes standing around while the crowd was just looking into heaven. And saying, like, where is he going? How did he do this? And so the angels declared to him in Acts 1-9, after saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you. Where's he going, saints? Into heaven. But listen to this part. But someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Now think about that for a moment. Jesus ascended into heaven in the clouds. He just took off. And the angel said, one day he's coming again just like you saw him go. How many of you know he's coming again? That's what the Bible teaches. He's coming again. Jesus is coming back just as the Bible predicted. Let me just give you a couple of truths concerning the second coming. And the first one is this. Nobody knows exactly when he will come back. His second coming has always been and will always be a mystery. Nobody knows when he's going to come back. In Mark 13, 35, you too must keep watch. For you do not know when the master of the household will return. In the evening at midnight before dawn or daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone, watch for him. He said, listen, he's going to arrive without warning. So Jesus tells us he's going to come back without anybody really knowing that he's coming. In verse 36, he says, but concerning that, or Matthew 24, 36 says, but concerning that day, the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father. So listen, if somebody says, I know when Jesus is coming back. Just politely say, I don't believe you because not even Jesus knows. That's what Jesus said. I don't know when I'm coming back. I'm not going to come back until the father tells me I'm coming back. The angels don't know when I'm coming back. So we don't know when he's coming back. Right. The second truth concerning his coming is this. Many are going to be spiritually asleep when he comes back. They're going to be sleeping. People are going to get caught totally off guard whenever he comes. They're going to like. You know, here he's going to come and they're going to say, what in the world is going on? They won't have a clue what's going on. They're going to be asleep, Jesus said. In Mark 13, 36, he said, don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. So spiritual sleep means basically being spiritually unprepared. It means not expecting Jesus to return. And so listen, the reality is many people are not expecting him to return. They said, oh, that's a bunch of hogwash. So they're not expecting him to return. So they are not preparing for him to return. It's a mystery, saints. You're not going to live. You're not going to hear this on CNN. You're not going to hear this on national news. It's a mystery that Jesus wants to reveal to those who have ears that want to hear. Amen. 
Jesus warns us, don't let him find you sleeping. Amen. He's saying, hey, folks, wake up. Get ready. Be prepared. The third truth about the second coming of Christ is we don't have to be clueless when Jesus is coming back. And so although we don't know the exact time, we can have an idea. We can have an idea when he comes back. In Matthew 24, 32, remember that story? Learn the parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender, puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So you too, when you see all these things, recognize that he's near right at the door. So Jesus says, listen, just like in the natural, if any of you have a fig tree, you know that when your fig tree starts producing tender leaves, you know summer is near. You can bank on that, my friends. Right? And so he says, listen, just like in the natural, you can discern seasons. In the spiritual, there will also be marks or signs or indications that his coming is near. You're not going to know exactly when he's coming, but you can know when it's getting close. It's what he's saying. So in Matthew 24, Jesus goes into great lengths to talk about indications that the end is near. So we would not be caught off guard. So here they are, Matthew 24 and verse 3. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us what will happen. What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? The rest of Matthew 24, he talks about it. Now, listen, I talked about this not too long ago, but I was amazed as I went through this again our our society, our world, if we will just look around us, everything Jesus predicted is coming to pass right now. So here's some indications. Number one, people will become increasingly deceived and confused spiritually. Matthew 24, 4, Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. One of the signs that we're getting close to the return of Jesus is that people will become spiritually misled. They will be deceived and they'll begin embracing wrong doctrines and wrong teachings. And we'll be watching and saying, wow, what in the world is going on? And we can look at this and say, well, Jesus told us this would happen. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that's happening today? I think so. It's a sign that we're getting close to the end. A second indication is this. Increased racial, religious, cultural tension and hostility in the world. Does that sound familiar? Increased hostility and tension. Now, in Matthew 24, 6, he said, You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. And see to it that you are not frightened, for those things must take place, but that is not the end. Now, the Bible says there will be an increase of wars and rumors of wars. In in verse 7, it says, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now, whenever you think about nations and, and, and world wars and all that stuff, Jesus said, listen, this stuff is not going to get better, folks. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Nation, you know, doesn't mean like, you know, different nations as we know it. What it really means is races, tribes, and ethnic groups. 
So he's saying, listen, Jesus is saying, as we get closer to the trumpet sounding, to Jesus coming back, we'll see an increase of religious tension. We'll see an increase of racial tension. We'll see an increase of cultural divisiveness among people. That's a sign that we're getting closer to the end. Question. Are we seeing that in our world today? Absolutely. It's another sign. A third indication is increased natural disasters. In verse 7, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. Now, famine is caused by a shortage of food as a result of economic problems. And Jesus said there will be famine. He said there will be pestilence. Pestilence is diseases, uncontrollable viruses, man-eating flesh bacteria that becomes widespread. Does that sound familiar to you? And then earthquakes. That represents natural weather disasters that in our weather patterns become abnormal. And all of a sudden, you see you see wildfires caused by drought and tornadoes and earthquakes and floods. And you see all these things, famines, pestilence, earthquakes, all represent natural and social disasters. So as you stand back and you watch the news and you see this going on, you could say, hmm, this is what Jesus was talking about. Are you all with me out there? A fourth indication, an increase in hostility and persecution of Christians and Christian convictions and morals. So listen, this is what he says in verse 9. He says, then they will deliver you up to tribulation and will kill you and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Listen, you can be religious, just don't say Jesus. If you say Jesus, you get persecuted now. You can't, you can't be a follower of Jesus because now you are considered intolerant. And so Christians are becoming more and more persecuted because of their, their desire to follow Jesus Christ. Is that happening in our world today? It's another sign we're closer to Jesus coming. In verse 10, it says, at that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. You know what? I think as we get closer to the end, the hostility or persecution of the church, it's going to purify the church. It's going to cause people that are on the fence to fall off the fence, either on one side or the other. You know, America's the only place that you can so easily be a Christian without getting persecuted for it. But, you know, Jesus predicted that there would be a purging at the end. And, and I'm not going to take the time. But in Matthew chapter 13, he tells the story about this farmer that went plant some seeds. And the Bible says that while he was sleeping, the enemy came and planted some more seeds. And the former woke up and the servant said, hey, master, what kind of seeds you planted? Because there's wheat out there, but there's also weeds out there. If you want, we'll go and pull those weeds up so you can just have the wheat. And Jesus or the master said, don't bother with the weeds, because at the end, the harvesters will come and harvest the whole field. 
And they'll gather the weeds together. They'll bundle them up and they'll throw discord them. And then the wheat they'll take and they'll put it in a safe place. It's a picture. At the end, there'll be a purging of the church. And those that are playing church games are going to be weeded out of those who are serious about following Jesus Christ. Amen. There's going to be a purging. Right now across America, our churches are filled with people that represent the authentic God-fearing people, the wheat. But among churches all across America, there is, there is weeds. They look like wheat, but they are not. But as persecution comes, they're going to have to make a decision. Are they going to follow Jesus or not? Amen. A spiritual purging is going to take place. Are you ready for it? That wasn't good enough. Are you ready for it? Ready or not? Here it comes. Amen. A fifth indication of the second coming is violence, crime and immorality will become unrestrained. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 24, 12. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. You know what lawlessness means? It means to be given over to violence. It means to be given over to crime. And immorality and every urge and desire of the flesh. No restraint. If I want it, I go after it. It means having, it means having no restraint or control on your life. Anything goes. And because of it, there's an increase of violence, of crime and immorality. Do you think that's going on today? Is that happening where you live today? You know, just this week, there was a young man murdered on Simcoe. You know, I don't know if you know this or not, but just this week, there was a uh, attack in Tennessee, and I don't know if it was four or five soldiers that were, were gunned down. See, folks, listen, a couple of years ago, terrorist attacks were overseas in Iraq. But today, my friend, terrorist attacks are on American soil. What is that telling us? It's increasing. It's increasing. Now, listen, the key to look for is all these signs been happening for years and years. But what you're going to look for is the increase. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 7, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. You know what we know about birth pains is two things. They increase in frequency and they increase in intensity. Increase in frequency, increase in intensity. Now, finally, a sixth indication Jesus' return is near is a spiritual awakening and revival will take place in the churches. That's what I'm looking forward to. That's what I want to focus on. Amen. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. I think the more the church gets attacked and persecuted for following Jesus and his commandments, the stronger the church will become. You see, listen, when the church exploded in the book of Acts, it's because they were coming under so much persecution. They got stoned. They got, they got beat up. They got ridiculed. They got, they got uh, escorted out of the city. I mean, the treatment was terrible for Christians. But meanwhile, the church began to thrive and begin to thrive and it began to grow and it began to increase in strength. Amen. I think God is looking for persevering Christians. He's looking for enduring 
Christians, those who endure to the end, will be saved. I believe he's looking for some that are not going to give up because they get discouraged. And they're not going to throw away their convictions because the world doesn't accept it. But they're going to continue to follow the master of Jesus Christ. I want to ask you again, are you ready? Are you ready to follow the master? Amen. Acts 2.17 says, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. I'm looking forward to the increase of the spiritual temperature of the church. Amen. I believe we're going to see miracles in the church. I believe we're going to see a harvest of people that are going to get saved because as this world continues to fall apart, they're going to say, man, where am I going to go? What I'm going to do? And the Lord is going to just reach out his hand and save them. Amen. Amen. We're going to see a harvest and I'm excited about that. Now, why did we spend so much time just talking about that? The indications. Because Jesus said, listen, we don't know the exact day or time, but we can have an idea. And see, what I'm trying to say today is that, listen, whenever you see these things going on and you want to you want to scratch your head and say, what is going on? You can answer your own question by saying, oh, Matthew 24, Jesus said, this is what's going to happen before he comes back. Amen. So you can look at world history. You can look at world news in the eyes of a biblical worldview and say, okay, it's happening just as Jesus said it would happen. Amen. So now Jesus wants us to be spiritually warned and spiritually prepared for his coming. That's why he spent so many parables talking about his coming. And if you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll see that he more, there's more parables about his coming than anything else. Because he wanted us to know. He wanted us to be aware. He wanted us to be prepared. And so he says in Mark 13 and 35, you too must keep watch for you don't know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn or daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. So he's saying, listen, he's going to come, saints. Just be ready for it, okay? So Jesus warns us that he's coming. Now it's up to us to be prepared. It's up to us. Now, how do we get prepared? Jesus tells another parable to help us learn how to get prepared. And I'm going to take time to read this whole parable. So, so track along with me. Matthew 25. In verse 1, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and they fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by a shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, 
Please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourself. But while they were going to buy the oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. Now, this parable is a parable about 10 bridesmaids that are preparing for the arrival of the bridegroom. And by the way, the bridegroom is Jesus, right? There were five wise that were prepared, and there were five foolish that were unprepared. Now, the customs in that day was for the groom, when he was getting ready to, to get married, he would go fetch his bride from her house. And then they would have the ceremony. And, and uh, the bride and the groom would be escorted by the bridesmaids. The groom would appear whatever time he wanted. And the bride had to stay ready for the groom's appearance. And whenever the groom appeared, the bride would be ready. And the bridesmaid's job was to carry small lamps on a pole. And they, and they would escort the bride to the groom's house. That was the biblical uh, tradition. And then in this parable, the Bible says the groom came at an unexpected time. He came at midnight when everybody was asleep. And five of those bridesmaids, whenever they heard, the groom's here, the groom's here, five of those bridesmaids, they had plenty of all in their lamps. So all they did was light their lamps and they were ready to escort the groom and the bride to the feast. But then there were five of them. Whenever the, they shouted, the groom's here, the groom's here. They woke up, they grabbed their lamps. They tried to light their lamps. But their lamps, they didn't have enough oil in them lamps. And their fire went out. Wow. While they were gone to get some oil, that's when the bridegroom showed up. And they missed the procession. They missed the ceremony. They missed everything. And whenever they got back, they said, okay, we're back, we're back. Let us in, let us in. And the groom says, too late, the door is shut. Now, Jesus tells this story, and he makes three important points here. And I want to give them to you real quick, and then we're going to be done. The first one is this. To be prepared for his coming, you have to have oil in your lamps. You have to have oil in your lamps. And so, you know, in... And the difference between the wise and the foolish was the oil, right? In verse 3, it says the five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. So they, they were unprepared. They didn't have oil. But then the other five were wise enough. They had, the Bible says in verse 4, they, they were wise enough to take along extra oil. They weren't taking a chance that they might run out of oil. They want, they had some extra oil. I mean, it was good to have extra, especially when you're talking about eternity. Amen. So these wise bridesmaids were prepared for the bridegroom because they had plenty of oil. Now, let me make the point here. 
Here's the point. All represents your relationship to Christ. Oil represents being filled with the Spirit. Oil represents the Holy Spirit's, the presence of God. And you have to have your lamp, which is your spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit to get ready for the Lord's coming. You all understand that? Does that make sense? It has everything to do with your relationship. So the bottom line is you got to get right with God. It's more than just going to church or just saying, I believe in God. It's getting right with God and staying right with God. Amen. Here's the second point. It's each individual's personal responsibility to get ready. And this is what I mean by that. Your parents can't get you ready for when Jesus comes. I mean, it's great that your parents might be Christians, but whenever you get up there, your mama's not going to be around. Hey, listen, your spouse can't get you ready for Jesus when he comes. Whenever you get there, he ain't going to be looking for your spouse. He's going to be looking straight at you. Amen. Hey, listen, one more thing. Your pastor can get you ready for Jesus. Only Jesus can get you ready for him. Amen. So number two, it's each individual's personal responsibility. So listen, it's your pastor. I love you. And I believe what the Bible says. Do y'all believe what the Bible says? So if I'm reading my Bible right, and I think I am because there's way too many people that are in agreement with that. The Bible says that one day we're all going to meet Jesus and we're going to have to give an account how we lived our life, what we did with Jesus. Did we just use him like a Santa Claus and say, Jesus, I need you right now. Would you help me right now? Or did we surrender our life and live for Jesus and serve Jesus? See, everybody wants the blessing of Jesus, but nobody wants to serve Jesus. But Jesus is looking for those that are ready to serve him. Amen. And so the question is, are you ready? Okay. so point number three is this. Here's the third point. Preparing for his coming is not a one time event, but a daily responsibility. And let me go back for just a minute. Whenever I say it's each individual's responsibility. You remember whenever the five foolish bridesmaids woke up and they checked their lamps and they didn't have enough oil? Do you remember what they said? They went to the ones that had plenty of oil and they said, hey, can you give me some oil? And the, and the wise bridesmaids said, you're going to get your own oil. I'm not taking a chance of not having enough oil. You go to the store and get your own oil. Amen. So you know what that tells me? Man, you got to be ready. You got to stay ready. You got to get your oil in your lamp and keep your lamp filled. So listen, preparing for his coming, it's not a one time event, but it's a daily responsibility. And listen what it says, Matthew 25, 10. But while they were going to buy all the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast and the door was locked. Those who were ready. Verse 11, later when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door. But he called back and he said, believe me, I don't know you. So they weren't ready. They didn't stay ready. So you know what the, the moral of the story is? Is that you don't know the day or the hour when Jesus is going to return. We have an idea that we're getting closer and closer. 
Well, well, is the whole world going to fall apart before he comes? I don't know. It could be tomorrow. It could be after a while. And besides him coming, what if your heart stops right now? And you have to breathe your last breath. And before you know it, you're in the presence of God. You have to give an account for your life. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet your maker? That's the question. Jesus is coming back. But maybe some of us in this room won't get a chance to see him coming back. We might go to see him before he comes back. But whether we go see him or he comes back, as long as we're ready, everything is going to be all right. Come on, y'all with me out there? Everything is going to be all right. Y'all believe that? Come on, everything is going to be all right. Amen. So the question is, are you ready? How do you get ready? How do you get ready? Well, Jesus said, to as many as received me, to them I gave the right to become children of God. Amen. Would you stand with me for just a moment? And I want to ask you to just pray right now. Just begin praying. I don't know where you are spiritually. I don't know if you have oil in your lamp. Only you and the Lord know that, right? But I want you to just bow your head with me for just a moment. I want to remind you that Jesus died on the cross so that you could have oil in your lamp. He loves you. He died because he wants every one of his creation to spend eternity with him. But but it's not an automatic thing. It takes a decision on our part to just open up our heart to Jesus. So if you hear today and say, Todd, I'm not sure that I'm a Christian. I'm not sure that if I died that I would go to be with Jesus. But I, I want to. I want to live eternally with Jesus. Whether he comes to more or my life comes to a sudden end, I want to be ready for him. If you're here today and you're ready to just ask Jesus to forgive you, the Bible says in Romans 10:9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then he says, For it is by believing. In your heart that you made right with God. You've got to believe. Then he says it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. It's just being willing to confess him. So if you're here today and say, Todd, would you pray for me? I want you to just lift your hand. I want you to just lift your hand across. There you go. Just lift your hand. If you say, I want to surrender to Jesus, just lift your hand over here. See your hand. If you, you want to you wanna make sure, you want to seal the deal today, anybody else, just raise your hand across right over here. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. Just, just be bold right now. Just say, listen, man, I don't want to take this to chance. I want to make sure. Right over here. I see your hand. Anywhere else. Come on. Just, just be bold right here in the front. Anywhere else. Just raise your hand. 
Just there you go. Back here. Come on. The spirit of God. He's reaching out right now. He's saying, listen, I'm snatching souls. I'm snatching lives right now. He's, he's pulling. He's pulling you out of the hands of the evil one. Come on. Just live. raise both your hands now. Raise both your hands and wave them at me and say, Todd, pray for me. I'm surrendering to Jesus. Now, listen, if you have your hands raised, I want you to do me a favor and slip right out of, out of the aisle right there. Just come to the front while the others come. Come on. Make a bold profession of faith this morning. Come on. From, from, from the back, from the left side, the right side. There you go, sir. Come on. This is your day. There you go, man. This is your day. Come on. This is your day. Come on. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Snatching souls from the clutches of the evil one. Come on, sir. We're waiting for you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Come on. Right now, the angels are beginning to write names in heaven, beginning to write names in the Lamb's book of life. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the Spirit of the Lord. Thank you for the grace of God. Come on, man. We're going to wait. Come on. We're going to wait. Come on. Let's give God praise. Let's give God glory. Let's give God honor today. Lord, we love you. Lord, we bless you. We worship you. We adore you, Lord. You are worthy of praise. You are worthy of glory. And you are worthy of honor, Lord. Praise be the Lord. Praise be the Lord. And I want you to just bow your head. And I just want you from your heart, in the most reverent way you know how, in the most sincere way you know how, just say this to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe you forgive. I need your forgiveness. Lord Jesus, I surrender to you. Come on, confess him loud and proud. I surrender to you. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, shedding your blood so that I could be saved. I believe you're the son of God. And I confess you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to get my lamp filled with oil. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody that agreed said, Amen. 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 Wow. Now listen. Now Jesus said, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just. To forgive our sins. So when you think about that, when you asked him to forgive you, he took a big old spiritual eraser and just erased every sin you've ever committed. And today you got a clean slate, a fresh start with God. Amen. Isn't that great? And then, and then he got his angels recording names. They're working overtime right now. And they're recording your name. Oh, there's Sister Sue right there. She's in the Lamb's book of life now. And so whenever you die and you get to heaven and you have to face the Lord and the Lord says, why should I let you in? You, he'll, he'll bring back this moment and he'll say, remember that day you made a decision to serve me? I put your name in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. Your name is now in my book. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. Amen. Now listen. We're going to get a bunch of altar workers up here. We want to get your names, and we want to pray for you, okay? If you need a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. We want to make sure you have the tools that you need to get started. And, uh, and then uh, after we're done, 
then we're going to be able to, uh, you're going to be able to, those of you that are here for school supplies, you'll be able to get your school supplies and get on your way. Amen. Come on, let's give God just praise one more time for the lives that he saved, the souls that he saved. Praise you, Father. Praise you, Lord. Amen. Now listen, one last thing. While while we're just doing this up here. Listen, it's not just good enough to come to church. You got to develop an intimate walk with God. You got to develop a relationship with the Lord. You got to spend time with him. You got to read your Bible. You got to pray. Get some oil in your life. Amen. So that whenever that trumpet sounds, your your wick is not going to be so low that he can't see your light. Your light's going to be burning bright. Amen. And he'll have no, no trouble seeing that you one of the wise bridesmaids. Amen. So I encourage you, just press in and, and push on with your walk with God. Amen. Now listen, if you're here this morning for school supplies, you'll see this little form in your pew. And if you'll just grab that form and fill that out. And when you go through those doors, they'll be waiting for you out there. And we got plenty of school supplies. So, so don't be worried about whether you're going to get some or not. And we'll, we, uh, we'll, we'll give you school supplies for all the children that you have that are going to school. Amen. And uh, congregation, I just want to thank you for your generosity for making this possible today. Amen. So let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing and favor over our lives. Father, we thank you for your favor, your blessing. God, we believe that through the power of the blood of Jesus, that our sins are now forgiven. We're cleansed. We're washed. And God, we're new in Christ today. Thank you, Lord, for the favor and the blessing of the Lord that's over the people of God today. I pray in the mighty in the strong name of Jesus and everybody that agreed said amen and amen.